0: Welcome to the wealth is in the details podcast in this podcast financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey along the way thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now let's get into today's podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to Wealth Is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Peter, how are you?
2: I'm great, Eric. How about yourself? I'm
1: I'm excited. That that's what I am. Uh, You and I were just chatting before the podcast. All sorts of things going on in both of our lives. Good things, you know, dramatic things. All the things that life, you know, throws at us. Uh, Called life. yeah, right. And but we're both doing well, so that's a that's a good point to start at. And I know today we're going to be talking about how our personal biases can affect our financial decision making. And I I love this. It's kind of like you know just kind of a self examination of what's going on. And I know that you've got a lot of great information for myself and the audience today.
2: Yeah, I hope this will be a, a helpful uh, uh, conversation. I, I this is a great a, a real real interest to me. I, I love this part of of uh the 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 business that that mm-hmm. i'm in um and it just you know as we start off the conversation i'm reminded of a a quote from um from socrates who said that to to know thyself is the beginning of wisdom mm. and, and and i think that that's going to permeate our conversation today that that quote so keep that in the back of your your mind as we're as we're chatting
1: yeah well, um, that's a fantastic quote
2: yeah i think so i i you know just in today's world we're just confronted with so many choices it seems like every minute of the day and in some ways the world just seems so complicated doesn't it, I mean, it we're yeah. just bombarded with with so much all day long on our phones or on our computers um we walk the street the the signs in the city are just you know it's overwhelming driving around it just i feel it's overwhelming i think with, mm-hmm. with all the stuff that that we have whether it's uh, all, all our our news options, our entertainment options, our our food options, you know, clothing, lifestyle, work, travel, you know, all these things that just we we can choose from, which is great. It's great to have choice, but I think it's it, it's overwhelming, yeah. and, and I think we got to figure out how to deal with this on a regular basis. And one of the things that, that I've talked about in the past on on our previous podcast, but I, but I thought I'd mention it again. Um, one way we cope with all this decision making is by using uh, what's called heuristics. And uh, I, I think you've heard a bit of it because we've talked about it in the past, mm-hmm. but uh, I just I thought I would read the definition of it because I think it's so important and it makes sense. So I got this right on, uh, you know, I Googled uh, heuristics so I could read read this today, and investopedia.com tells us that. Um, a heuristic is a mental shortcut commonly used to simplify problems and avoid cognitive overload, which is what we I think we all feel on a regular basis. And heuristics are, are part of how the brain, human brain evolved and is wired, allowing individuals to quickly reach reasonable conclusions or solutions to complex problems. And here's the kicker, is these solutions may not be optimal ones but are often sufficient given limited time frames and calculative capacity So, mm. lots of words there but basically it's a shortcut a mental shortcut to help us make quick decisions
1: and we need that today right yeah I don't know have you ever seen ready player one Peter the movie ready player one I've not Okay, so it's a great movie. It's all based on virtual reality. Um, And one of the guys, he's the bad guy. He says, um, because he's talking about all the players that have these virtual reality helmets on and and their vision is in in the game, right? He says, we estimate we can sell up to 80% of a user's vision without inducing seizures. (laughs) And so he's talking about all these ads that will be around them every time they have their goggles on and that's kind of how I feel right now. The, the, the things that you're talking about, it's overwhelming. And I think there are people out there going "Yeah, we can fill the space. And, you know, with at least 80% before we can do seizures. Right. <laughs> Great. Thank you. You know, um, <laughs> that's but very it, funny. yeah, it's just what it brought me back to. But what it sounds like, you know, you're suggesting that we may not always make the most optimal decisions when it comes to a lot of things in our life, especially financial planning.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm a financial planner, so that's that's the basis of our conversation today. Um, and I, I, I'm saying that 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 we're human beings, and, and we just may not always make those most optimal decisions because of these mental shortcuts mm-hmm. that are natural to us. And I think that's the key. It's we're, we're not doing anything that we're not supposed to do. And I think the key to this conversation is just recognizing that we all have certain tendencies and biases. It doesn't make us bad or flawed. I, I think it's it's what makes us completely human and these these are human attribute attributes. So I think it's so important to just recognize that we're we often are making decisions with these shortcuts you know and it's just because of the shortcuts we may our decision making may not be, quite optimal
1: yeah well again i want to go back to the quote right i mean because socrates is a pretty smart guy (laughs) and i love it when you quote him because uh, again this is not new uh if you've been a long-time listener to this podcast you've discussed this topic before but it was a while back
2: yeah it was back in uh i looked it up it's 2019 episode eight and it's financial wow. decision-making isn't always rational. <laughs> so yeah. we, we've been down this path before.
1: Okay. So let's talk about, uh, you know, I, I really wanna hear from your take, what we can do to know ourselves a bit better so that we can avoid these mistakes.
2: Yeah, I, I, there are no guarantees that we're gonna uh, make perfect decision-making, perfect decisions. I, I can mm-hmm. tell you that we probably won't. Um, I'm gonna try to give you some t- examples uh, of tendencies that, that I see that that have led to to less than these optimal situations okay. uh, I, and I, I think that's a great teaching method is are, are, are these examples
1: all right well I love examples so let's let's do this
2: okay so you know we all experience tendencies on a regular basis so here we go I and one of the first things I'll mention that we all we all suffer from this or at least I, I know, I do, my family does, and the vast majority of my clients do. It's called procrastination. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. It's <laughs> a dirty and, word. <laughs> you know, in, in, in some some parts of our life, we, we don't procrastinate at all. You know, we're just, I, I know that's I, same for myself. I, I'm, there's certain things I know I'm gonna get done right away. And other things I kind of put off, mm-hmm. and, and don't we all? Um, and I just have an example of, of, of a situation that, that happened over the last couple years um, with, with, a, with a client, a family uh, a client. And this was a, a, a business owner who uh, had a child in the business. Uh, the child in the business was also a client, but not as active a client as, um, as, the, as the parents were. Um, good, good little business. This this child was taking over the business and and was running it for years, for for a long, long time. Um, and we, we would meet once in a while, especially when I was meeting with the with, with his with, with his parents. And, um, and unfortunately, uh, this fellow recently passed away, and uh, he left a child. A- and. What, what came to, um, what, 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 what was discovered is that he had no will, no trust, he had mm-hmm. done no estate planning work. I was not involved in that aspect of his world. Um, I wish I had been. Uh, but it's something that I had mentioned to him over the years, but nothing, um, I, I, didn't, I can't make people do things. And Correct. he did yeah. not. And, and that just left a, a lot of complexity. And, and some, some results that were not were, were absolutely less than ideal, and it's sad. Now, things are going to work out okay for his child mm-hmm. um, that's surviving, uh, but it's less than ideal for that child. Yeah. And uh, um, it's, a, it's, it's just an example of how procrastination, how our, our just desire to kind of put things off can affect others around us. And um, uh, it, it, they it, our dis- our decisions to not take action—that's a decision, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it, it can have effects, um, sometimes negative. In this situation, it was. Um, so procrastination is a big one.
1: Yeah, I, I, there's very few things I don't procrastinate on, Peter. I'll be honest. <laughs> Getting a bowl of ice cream—I'm on it. That's yep. it. I'm, I'm up out of the chair. I'm to the freezer bowl spoon. Done. Got yeah, it. Yeah, I get it. But there's a lot of other things that I do procrastinate on. So I, I get it. Do you have any other examples of, uh, in, in that scenario or are we
2: moving on? No, we're moving on.
1: Okay. All right. So what is the next thing that really is on your mind as far as what helps us control our behaviors or not control them?
2: Yeah. So, um, I don't, want, I don't want to pick on you, Eric. Um, you've already picked on yourself. Um, <laughs> but, but let me ask you, do, yeah. do you consider yourself a, um, a good driver? M- maybe, maybe better than average?
1: I will say this, I am a great driver and I'm definitely better than
2: my wife. <laughs> okay.
1: Don't tell her I said that. Well, <laughs> but she would say the
2: same, right? So, so this is an example of, um, of overconfidence bias.
1: Oh, overconfidence bias. Okay. Yes.
2: There is a, this is uh, basically a a scientific term that describes a bias that we, that many of us have and Mm -hmm. suffer with. So it's called overconfidence bias. And this is the the example um, that, and this is a recent AAA study. Uh, 73% of Americans think they are above average drivers. <laughs>
1: and, so 23% of people are wrong, is that what you're saying?
2: Well, eight, eight out of 10 men think they are better than average. So
1: <laughs> three of them are liars is what you're saying. That's exactly what you're so saying.
2: Men tend to be more overconfident about their um, driving habits. Okay. But, but here's, here's, here's the reality is that 90% of accidents are caused by human error so, so uh, i i just i love that example because we all suffer from it i i, I definitely do you know yeah. i think i'm better than average i'm probably closer to average i don't know if i'm below or above but anyway that's that's the case i i um, count
1: it because i use my turn signals
2: <laughs>
1: if you use your turn signals you've got to be slightly better. above average than most right because you know there's a bunch of them that don't
2: oh if if, if i'm Living in Massachusetts, um, <laughs> if I use my turn signals, I'm I'm in the 99th percentile. There you go. <laughs> um, anyway, it's 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 overconfidence is something that that we that many of us suffer from, and from a financial perspective, um, this comes out in in mm. ways that are not so uh, not so pretty. Um, yeah. So you know, we we work with a lot of our clients that have bought stocks and start businesses and are just certain that, that they can do it better than many. Mm. And, um, and some of them are successful doing it. But you've heard, you know, you know the statistics about new businesses. Most new businesses don't succeed. Yeah. And actually, most individuals who are buying individual stocks are not successful at it. And what I find curious and interesting is that most business owners, small business owners especially, not, not, not large businesses, but sm- small businesses, they tend not to hold themselves accountable. They don't measure results. That's, that's most. Not Many do. But, but, I, but I find that, um, and especially if they're managing their own stocks and bonds, they aren't really measuring their results which is just curious. So mm. how do they know even that they're better than average? And this recent decline in the stock market is, is you know an example where stocks that had done very, very well the, for the previous bunch of years are, are getting hurt very badly, gotten hammered. <laughs> yeah. And that's where we need to be realistic about our, our successes and our abilities. That, that's really where overconfidence comes in. We just want, we want to be aware of our real strengths and weaknesses, our so
1: skills. Some, yeah. Something that stands out to me, Peter, in those two examples is that you may think for your entire lifetime that you're better than average as a driver, and, and there's nothing necessarily that's going to prove you wrong right? I mean, you can go through your entire life without an accident or without causing an accident or not knowing that you caused an accident, right? Um, And you may always think that you're above average. But when you look at what you just spoke about, starting a business, buying stocks, investing without having the knowledge, without you know holding themselves accountable, all that, you find out very quickly or you can find out very quickly that you're not as good as you thought you were. And it can be extremely detrimental, right? I mean, that's that's something that shows you very quickly that you're not up to snuff yeah and and that's I think that's what your, your your point is is that it can be extremely detrimental so Peter, what is the next thing on your list for us to be thinking about?
2: yeah th- this is something that we that we all do I, I do it as well it, um, I, and I try to resist doing it but it's it's trying to trying to predict the future mm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. and, and, and based on Logic based on uh, reasonable assumptions. Um, sometimes that future just seems like it's you, you can you can look at it and say that's going to happen, absolutely going to happen. But more often than not, it doesn't. <laughs> and, and one of the things we want to avoid uh, is making large, important decisions based upon what we think is going to happen. Now, I, I'm 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 painting. Using a, a a brush here, you know, that's not the case in every situation, but we want to avoid making predictions about what we think are going to happen. And, and the example I have here is a, a client that had done very well, sold his business, um, very successful, um, was single at the time, and we had we had suggested in our planning that he not make any big decisions right now for, from an estate planning perspective. N- not do anything too complicated because his life was still a little bit uncertain. Um, and when I talk about you know not making any big decisions, what I'm talking about here is uh, avoiding any, making any large gifts or complicated mm-hmm. estate structures. Um, I just didn't, I, and I had gotten to know him over, Eight to twelve months, and I felt confident that that was a good good recommendation. Um, meanwhile, he had heard from his accountant that uh, tax laws were going to change, and gifting gifting limits were going to be reduced significantly. And it seemed like a rational thing to think that this could, could happen and was likely to happen, but he he took that and and ran with it. And mm-hmm. and made um, some very important decisions relative to gifting that, in hindsight, he regretted. Um, and I'm not saying that I was right because I, you know, I, I didn't think taxes were going to go up or down or gifts were going to be limited. I, it's not about that. It's that I just didn't think he was ready. I didn't think he had all of his 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 world in order mm-hmm. to make that that big decision, whether. The tax laws changed or not, I, you always want to make sure you're happy with your decision, no matter what. What that future is going to bear. Yeah, and so um, he 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 regretted that that he would entered into this complicated, not unwise gifting strategy, but it wasn't meeting his future goals and objectives. He got remarried; his world changed. Um, and he, he basically is working out of that, that transfer now. Mm. And it was very expensive to do. So just, just an example of, of kind of really making sure that you're not putting too, mu- too much weight on what you think will happen. Because we really don't know. Yeah.
0: Hi, this is Catherine Broy from the Raskin Planning Group. Apologies for the interruption. Thanks so much for listening to Wealth is in the Details. We hope you're enjoying it so far. If you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, please visit our website at www.raskinplanning.com. Look for the podcast's show notes and connect with us via social media.
1: Yeah, no, very true. All right, next thing on the list.
2: Okay, Um, these kind of are are tied together um, and this is timely from a uh, perspective of, of markets. Human beings really suffer from Two important biases. Again, these are scientifically, uh, you know, proven that we 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 tend to focus on the uh, on the uh, on our freshest and most recent memories. So, mm. one bias is called recency bias, and it's just the the tendency to place too much emphasis on those experiences that were that that are are, are most we're, we're not very far from. Yeah, even if that experience was is not the most relevant or reliable to help us make decisions going into the future. And so that's that's recency bias. And then the other bias, which is also really important to understand about our, our, ourselves, is it's called loss aversion. And uh, you've heard me talk about this, the pain mm-hmm. of loss, is psychologically about twice as powerful as the pleasure of gain. So I'll say it again, the pain of loss is about twice as powerful as the pleasure of gain. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I, the reason why I, th- I think that's so important, it's, and it's not just about losing or gaining at, you know, returns in, in, in the stock market or gambling Or anything like that really to me this is more about our 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 world um we feel losses more powerfully than we feel pleasure um at least many of us do you think about the loss of a loved one a a spouse a child that can stay with us for for forever and ever and it's so powerful and intense but but we often are not when I say we, people sometimes aren't thinking about all the wonderful experiences they had with that, with that spouse and that that child, mm-hmm. that make us make made us so happy. And so, the pain of that loss is is so is so powerful to us. So, and we try to we try everything we can to avoid losses because of that that sense. So, when when the stock market goes down in value, we feel terrible. <laughs> We look at our statements and they're 10, 15, 20% less than what they were the previous quarter. Um, that feels really, really terrible. Meanwhile, we forget that over the last two, three, four years, our portfolios have gone up dramatically.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think that, and and you can agree with me or disagree with me, I'd like to hear your point on it, but I think that thinking about a loss or, you know, the pain of a loss is great if it makes you a little more cautious, but not if it makes you stand still or run backwards. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's a good thing to learn some lessons, like don't touch the stove when it's hot. Maybe we're a little slower to move toward that stove in the future, which is great because then you're more cautious, but to never cook again. Well, that's just silly.
2: Yeah. And that's, I think, that's the reason why um, human beings evolved this loss, loss aversion. Yeah, because it protected us. Yeah.
1: run from the saber-tooth tiger. That you yeah, don't. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: Okay. And, and so, uh, markets are down. Um, people have a tendency to want to make a correction. They want to make a change. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to become more conservative. They they don't want to suffer any more losses because it's so painful. When in, when in fact it, it 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 most likely, is not in their best interest. To sell at a loss, yeah, because yeah. eventually markets recover. Eventually, it may take time; it may take one, two, three, four years. We don't know how long it's going to take, but a well diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds is likely to recover in in a period of time. And it's better to 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 work through that loss and wait for rebounds. Um, may not always be possible, uh, but. Becoming more conservative when markets drop and then moving back into the market when markets recover after the fact is just a, a recipe for disaster. <laughs> it, mm-hmm. just, it just is not helpful. And uh, so loss aversion and recency bias come together that and it really drives a lot of our, our decision making around, around things like losses in the stock market. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, before we move on to the next item on your list, I do want to say, listener, if you have sold stocks at a loss, if you have sold things at a loss, tax loss harvesting. Peter's spoken about it before. He's got a podcast on it. I'm positive of that. Um, I don't know what number it is, but go back and look at that. Because even if you have done that, there's some things that maybe you can take out of that podcast, and then you can reach out to Peter and his team. All right, Peter, what's the next thing on your list?
2: Yeah, so um, this is another another tendency that we have. And this is a little bit harder to, um, to recognize in ourselves. Um, But it's it's so important. And and I'm calling this tendency is to is to focus on the wrong problem. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and, and don't we, don't we all do this? Um, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I'm, th- you know, you mentioned, uh, uh, being first in line, uh, for the, for the, uh, the ice cream sundae. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I, I'm reminded of the, kind of the wrong problem. You know, we're, we're of that age where, um, it's nearly impossible to exercise our way away from. Uh, weight gain.
1: You he had to remind didn't
2: you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking for myself as well. We, okay, <laughs> we, we we can't we can't exercise enough at our age to burn up all those calories that 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 Sunday, that ice cream Sunday. It's just mm-hmm. not going to happen. Um, we we just can't do it. Now, when we're 20 and 25, we could we could make a pretty good effort and get get a lot of that that out of our system. <laughs> But 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 as time goes on, it's not about the exercise as much as it is about the calories. Hmm. Okay. So so many of us focus on the wrong problem. We we say, "Well, I'll lose weight. I'll I'll start exercising and keep our diet the same," and it doesn't really work. Um, another example, and this is kind of similar. A, a client. Um, also sold his business and did very very well. This client um, did what many people do. Basically, he won he won the lottery and he started spending <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and spending and spending. Then uh, 2008 and 2009 came around, and uh, if you remember what happened, that was the uh, the the Great Recession. Yeah, a banking crisis, markets dropped by close to fifty percent. Um, and it was devastating. Well, uh, this this person didn't adjust their spending at all. They kept on spending. They didn't address the problem, which was markets were down. Spending stayed the same. Um, we got involved at that point. Unhappy. Um, assets were we, we we adjusted the assets, but but basically stayed in a similar allocation of of stocks and bonds and risk and focused on the problem which was the spending and and to to their credit they began to make adjustments to that. And markets continued to do to do well for quite a while, recovered nicely, but still spent more than they should have. Mm-hmm. To, 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 to really bounce back to where they were. They had a, uh, a, a, a large uh, line of credit um, based on their, on their equities. And um, we had recommended as the markets continued to go back up, that they begin paying down that, that principal. And, and, and they didn't want to do that. Um, and they still maintained the two homes. They, just Their they, spending continued. Um, meanwhile, we had we had other market uh, adjustments, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> ups and downs, and uh, he, you know, his focus was not as not as much on the spending. Didn't want to make any changes to lifestyle, but was more concerned about the the investing, this the the, the investment management, the allocation. Wanted to take more risk so he get more return, so he could get himself out of this problem. And, and that's the example of focusing really on the wrong problem. Markets are going to do what they do. They're going to go up and down. It's totally out of our control. We can't, we, we can't determine how that's going to play out over a long period of time. Um, some years will be good. Some years will be, will, will, be, will be terrible. But what we can control are the expenses. And so that's the example I use of, of focusing on the wrong problem
1: yeah all right I mean that's a sad story i mean honestly it it it's something that if if somebody takes the time to truly sit down with somebody else and talk through that issue, maybe they'll see now obviously you did right I mean that's part of your story. You did tell them, hey, these are some things you want to adjust, and they just chose not to yeah, and maybe that's choice. just our own stubbornness uh that that comes through a lot of times, but if we just take that moment to really weigh the differences. Uh, yeah i don't know i don't know that's 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 uh that's hard it is
2: it's really hard but yeah. we're all humans right we we have uh we we can make our own decisions yeah. but we have to live with those and there are consequences
1: yep yeah, absolutely all right Peter what is the next thing on your list
2: so this is something i've talked to, I've done other podcasts about this but um uh lack of contingency planning is a is a tendency that that's that some of us have uh, you know, I, I to, I've told some sad stories about decisions that may not have, were, were, that were less than optimal. But, but here we have, you know, that, that kind of decision, uh, the ability to, to think about our, the risks in front of us, mm-hmm. the, 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 that life doesn't play out. I talked before about our tendency to, uh, uh, a bias to trying to predict future and how we're not good at it. Well, to me, contingency planning is not saying that this is going to happen, but contingency planning is saying, well, if that does happen, Mm -hmm. are we going to be okay? Have we resolved it? Have we we talked about it? Are we willing to live with the consequences if that happens? So an example, you know, certainly this is what insurance is all about. We wanna make sure we have the proper amount of insurance, medical insurance, uh, property and casualty insurance, um, life insurance, disability insurance, long-term care. We want to make sure we've addressed these contingencies with insurances if it's available, if it's if it's cost-effective, if it makes sense to us. So that's about you know dealing with those issues and coming up with some solutions to, to, to address um, those risks. But another think, way to think about this is also, um, you know, a, a, about our families. Y- you know, a lot of our families want to g- make gifts to kids and and to grandchildren and e- e- and even spouses of our kids. And um, one of the things that I think is important to think about as part of contingency planning is, you know, what happens if, if our kids um or our grandkids are in, in a in a in a in a difficult marriage and there's a divorce have you thought about what will happen to those assets that you've given away already will will they be part of the the marital uh, estate will they be attachable by creditors ex-spouses um, you so, so think about that that's part of contingency planning that's just an, another example and i've seen that happen where families make gifts to um uh to kids and those gifts are are attachable by by the, the kids the kids uh ex-spouses and hmm. um they sue for it and that's a that's a risk and a cost to the family so lack of contingency planning is 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 the next item on my list
1: Again, walking through this with somebody, right, talking to somebody about this, that, that's, that's because we don't always know what the possibilities are, Peter, right? I mean, that's, that's – right. I'm trying to just say, hey, look, listen, audience, you need to contact Peter and his team, but realistically, you understand that I'm going to say that at the end of the podcast because we don't know what we don't know. And we don't know what questions to ask a lot of times. So I love the fact that you're doing this. Hopefully it resonates with somebody and they say, hey, look, I, I do need to have at least somebody else to bounce some ideas off of that can give me these, you know, these possible contingency issues so that we can make those plans.
2: That's right. Yep. Yeah.
1: All right. Uh, what is the next thing?
2: Yeah. So uh, the next thing is really for our younger client listeners is um, thinking about the, our biggest asset, for for a young person, and um, to me, uh, for for a young person in their twenties, thirties, and even forties, is um, is time and good health. <laughs> and you say that's that's an that's an asset. Well, oh, yeah. it is. So so time and good health are really important. Um, one of the things thinking about your your health is that allows you to. Um, not only live a long time, but also to buy insurance that's low cost because if, if it's a health-related kind of insurance, and here I'm thinking about life insurance, disability insurance, long-term care insurance, anything that you have to qualify from a health perspective, if you buy it when you're young, you lock it in, mm-hmm. and, and you've got it at a discount. Not all of us stay as healthy forever. Matter of fact, as we, as we age, the chances that something's going to impact the cost of these insurance products that we might want in the future is pretty dramatic. So think about your, your health as, a, as an asset class, you know, as a, as a way to buy something on discount. So good health also leads to longevity, long life, and y- using long life to your advantage investing early so the dollars can compound over time. And that is so dramatic for young people to have assets sitting and compounding and growing for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, if not longer is magical it it makes a huge difference to 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 your your retirement planning, education planning for kids. it gives you so many options. so use your good health and your longevity to your advantage our younger listeners.
1: yeah, i agree 100%. if anybody doesn't think health is an asset, try shopping for a, a new knee. yeah, <laughs> find out very quickly that's an asset. good knees are an asset. um yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I love that one. I didn't, I hadn't even thought about that one. Yeah. All right. I know we're we're getting close to the end of our time. What's next yep. on your list?
2: So this is um, I, I, this is kind of, uh, kind of along the same lines of what you're talking about with um, working with advisors to help ask questions that you may not even think about. So this is all about myself. So I want to give examples of, of kind of things that that, uh, that the tendency that I have. Um, especially early on in, in in my business, you know, I I didn't grow up wealthy. I grew up um, middle class in nice towns, but cautious and careful. I was a I was some call me um, prudent and and maybe cheap. Um, I, I was always I always worked for 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 everything I had, and um, so a dollar was important to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, delivering newspapers as a, as a fourth grader and mowing lawns in middle school and working in restaurants and you know, working as a janitor in the summers and all those things. I just did all those jobs. And so I worked for, worked for my money and I was always very cautious about spending, which I think was, was appropriate and prudent. But when I became an adult and a professional, um, I needed to change kind of my, my thinking. I needed to um, think less about the, just the fact that I didn't want to spend the money, um, but that I should think about it as a a, a tool to meet my objectives and goals. Hmm. So in a lot of ways, sometimes spending is part of the solution. So, so for example, um, when I came into business uh, back in 1984, I was, um, you know, I, I, I thought, I need a cell phone. Well, yeah, you know, everyone's got a cell phone now. Back then, you had to install it in your car and they were really expensive <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> to, 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 to make any calls. But I saw that I needed to do that. That would be a, a very cost efficient way for me to be, to grow my business if I'm gonna be out on calls, driving around, seeing people, it was very efficient and a good use of time. So I was able to adjust and make that decision. But I always needed someone to kind of help me do that. I needed, I needed to work with coaches, mentors, to ha- ask me the questions, and to push me. And that was vital. And that's been vital to my, my business growth, my personal growth. Um, I, I've always felt that working with those that have done it before, before me, is really, really helpful. Because I'm not good at everything. I'm not naturally, I don't naturally know everything. And um, I've worked with those coaches and, and mentors that have helped me with that. Uh, and, and examples of when I didn't have that, I it's cost me money. Um, and this is more of a personal example, but we had a, did a big remodel in our home years and years ago. And at the time, we talked about air conditioning. And I said, oh, you know, we're not going to afford that. I don't want to spend it. It, we only need air conditioning two or three days, days a year. We can figure that out. Well, it was one of the biggest mistakes I made. <laughs> mm. And all I needed to do was work with someone who said, you know, maybe you don't put in the air conditioning now, but but vent your home for it. You know, oh, put yeah. in all the yeah. piping now. Would it cost you a quarter of, of, of the cost, but do it while all the all – the, uh, walls are open and the mm-hmm. ceilings are down because it was a big remodel. But no one asked, no one told me that, and I didn't think about it. So, an example of 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 how advice can cost you. Not having advice can cost you.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: And so that's kind of how I wanted to end this program. Is just, you know, hiring a comprehensive advisor keeps us honest. Uh, it's it's good protection from our our own natural tendencies and biases. Um, it really keeps us from making mistakes because it's not always what you know, it's what you don't know, it's what you don't know to ask. Um, having someone that can ask you the hard questions can be insightful and help you make, a, make more appropriate decisions from a financial perspective.
1: Yeah. And, and I'm just going to wrap this up as far as what I'm hearing from you, what we've talked about on so many podcasts. Is that hiring a comprehensive financial advisor? It keeps us honest. It keeps us accountable. Um, I believe it's good protection from our our natural tendencies and biases and and idiotic behavior that I have a lot of times and our, my assumptions and all these other things that creep into my life when I don't want them there. Uh, you know, it 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 helps me to stay on focus and and on point to do the hard work that needs to be done, and it gives me an opportunity or it gives anybody who who hires someone. Uh, You have somebody to ask the hard questions and you have somebody to do what you just talked about with your air conditioning system will tell you things that you don't even know to ask questions about, right? Um, This is the way to have more insight and would help anybody make an appropriate decision, right? I mean, I'm assuming that you would agree with that.
2: I do. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and, and again, for those, if you're a new listener, understand that, that Peter's not selling himself here and I'm, I'm not trying to sell you on Peter, although it's, he's an amazing guy and it'll be a fantastic relationship. If you reach out to him, but get somebody in your corner. That's going to ask those questions, the hard questions and hold you accountable because your future's worth it period. And that that's, I guess how I would, how I would end the podcast, Peter. Um, any final thoughts from you?
2: No, if people want to reach out, um, please go to our website, raskinplanning.com. Our contact information is there, and glad to to chat.
1: Peter, I'm glad you're in my corner, my man. Thank you so much for uh, including me on this podcast, allowing me to be here and listen and learn with the audience and ask my questions of you. You've always been an open book, so I appreciate that. And, of course, our last thank you always goes to you, listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corp. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corp., a broker-dealer, member SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is a marketing name for registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.